We are so thankful for what God's doing here at Westside, our church, our church family. And what I just told Cindy, I want to tell you all too. I thank you all for being my friend. It's so good to be a part of a church family and to have people who love you. And thank you. Throughout all the years, I appreciate it. I really do. And thank you for being my brother and sister in Christ. We are a family of God. Amen. Amen. And it's wonderful to be a part of a church family. Thank God for it. Amen. It's a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege. It's wonderful. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter 15. Amen. Amen. I feel the same way. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. I'm always... uh, I'm always real careful about, uh, I don't, I, I never want anybody to think that um, because I'm a pastor or a preacher that I'm better than you in any way. I know it's, I, I want you all to know that, that this is just what God has called me to do. And I'm glad to say I sure ain't a pope. <laughs> If I was the Pope, <laughs> I'm sure not the Pope or a bishop. or I have, I have no authority over your life. None at all. I always tell people, you know, like, I've even told some people, because I've, I've done this long enough now, I'm, I do start to feel like that I'm, I can say rightfully, I'm not a novice anymore. I've been preaching the Word of God since my early 20s. I, I, God, I finally... if if it's the right description to say it this way, surrender to the call when I was 22 years old. And uh, I've almost been preaching now for 20 years. And throughout those 20 years, I've, I've learned to say that even to some people in council, I even tell them that, like, I think you should do what I say. I think you should do what I say because this is the Word of God. But I always say, but you're going to have to choose whether you want to do that or not. And many don't, honestly. Many don't. And I say that maybe to provoke you to jealousy. Because if you want your life to change, then just do what God says. Amen? But I hold no authority over your life. None at all. The only authority I have is what, is what the Word of God says. I'm just relaying what God says. And I, I, t- I told you recently, I told, uh, I think it was Nathan, I said, well, I'm not allowed to do that. Because I, I want him to know that I too am one under authority. That the authority is Scripture. That he, the Lord Jesus is our chief shepherd. He's our God. He's our counselor. He's our mighty God. He is, he is everything to us. Amen? And I want you all to know that you'll find all that you need in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find all the truth that you could ever need in His Holy Word. Amen? And that is the sole authority over our lives. 
that I'm no better than you and you're no better than me. That we all are, we all are born sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And I can say gladly that I am a sinner that's been saved by grace. And that's it, and that alone. Amen? And the closer I get to the Lord Jesus Christ, I feel like the Apostle Paul. And some might think, and they're, they're wrong to think it, that maybe I don't know sin, or, or maybe that I don't understand. But I think as the closer I get to the Lord, and may it be closer, that I am the chief of all sinners. That, that, that my sin... Or thank God for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because I'm no better than you, but Jesus is better than all of us. Amen? So run to Jesus. Amen? Run to Him. All right, let's continue on the book of Genesis. And while you're turning there to chapter number 15, I want to hold this up again. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have one, I think we have some. I saw some somewhere. If you can't find it, let me know. This 52-week Bible reading plan if you got a better Bible reading plan, you go for it. Amen? Just read the Bible. I would encourage you to do it. Read your Bible. Do it daily. And I want to encourage you specifically to read every word of the Bible. And I don't, of course, mean in one day or one month, but I want you to read every word that God has said to you. And I think that's so important to our lives, to our Christian lives. And I want to encourage you. One of our members came up last Sunday morning and was so glad and I actually thought of it while I was saying it, that we are to come to church to encourage one another. We're to provoke each other unto good works. And she was so thankful that God had led us to hear that and to uh, read your Bible. And you can do it. So I want to say it again today. Read your Bible. You can do it. You can do it. You can be one of those people, amen, that's read the Bible through. So I want to encourage you to do that. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. We're going to read all the way to verse 21. And we're going to see a very strange event in the life of Abraham. And, if, and I've been concerned about how to preach it. And you pray that God will help me to do it. This very strange event in the life of Abraham. And there's some application for us in our Christian lives that will be a great help to us if we'll listen carefully and we'll believe it and receive what God has for us this morning. Genesis chapter 15, verse number 7. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Word of God says, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, Abraham asked, Whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So, how will I know, God, that I will inherit this land? And then God commands him to do this strange thing. In verse number 9, And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. 
and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve I will judge, and afterwards shall they come out from great with great substance. Now, if you're unfamiliar with, with this account, God is prophesying to Abraham and telling him that your seed will be in, the, in a land of bondage. And we know this now because we can look back through Scripture, we know this is the land of Egypt. And God is telling Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, but your seed's going to be taken away. They're going to be slaves for 400 years. And we know this now as the children of Israel being bondage to the Egyptians. But then the Bible says, God says in verse, four, verse 14, but I will, I, they shall come out with great substance, and they sure did. But verse 15, and, they shall go to, and, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age, Abraham. But verse 16, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again to the land that God promised Abraham. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So for, for modern context, God's promised land to Abraham through Isaac, this isn't Ishmael, this is through Isaac, that's from half of Syria and Iraq, the river Euphrates splits Syria and Iraq all the way to the river Nile. So you know there's a land dispute going on right now. But God says their land is from the Euphrates River to the river Nile in Egypt. Verse 19, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Kadamanites. See, we, we all have trouble here, don't we? <laughs> and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephims and the Amorites and the Canaanites, and the Girgishites, and the Jebusites. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our church. And thank you we can be a part of this wonderful church family. And God, bless us by your word. God is here by your spirit. Help me, Lord. Lord, I'm in desperate need of your help this morning. Lord, we're trusting you. Feed us by your word. Fill us with your spirit to, to receive it. And God, enable us and quicken us. But most of all, Lord, if there's someone here, God, I pray you speak to them specifically and you'll draw them by your, your Spirit. And Lord, that you will, they'll see Christ as their Savior and they'll repent and believe the Gospel. And Lord, we pray for this most of all. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. There's two things I want to point out from verse number 7 before we get more deeply into what Abraham did with the sacrifice. Two things in verse number 7. Notice there's two things that are strikingly important. In verse number 7, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give this land, to give thee this land to inherit it. Now notice that God promised him a son in verses 1 through 6. God said that your son, your seed, God promised him a son. So after God promised him a son in verses 1 through 6, then God promised his son land to live in. So God wouldn't promise Abraham a son without giving Abraham's son a land to dwell in. 
So Abraham receives a, he's going to receive a promised son. God, of course, will give his son a land to dwell in. And our application for our lives is just the same. That after we've received the son, God will also give us a promised land to dwell in. And so this, this is, a, this is a, a type and a picture of what God has done for us. So Abraham, I'm giving you a son and I'm going to give him land to live in. And God does the same thing for Christians. And God says to us, I'm going to give you my son. He's the promised son. He's the seed of Abraham. I'm going to give you my son. And I'm also going to give you a land to dwell in. Amen? I'm glad that God promises a son, but he also promises us a land. Now before we, we get to... to Let's not get too deeply into the subject of eschatology. That's the study of things yet to come. But we do know of assuredly that if you have Jesus, you have heaven too, don't you? If you have the Son, you have heaven also. And God is telling Abraham, if I give you a son, I'm going to give him a land. I'm going to give him a promised land. And God does the same thing for you and I. I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you a land. And if you have Jesus Christ, you have heaven too. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have heaven. But if you have the Son, you have the land, don't you? Remember Jesus said, I quote it often, I quote it often because Brother Wiley quotes it often. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going to prepare a place for you <laughs> that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen? Amen? There surely is a rest for the people of God. And only those who have Jesus have this promised land. Amen? So God is telling Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to give him land. And God gave us a son, his only begotten son. And since God gave us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth upon Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus said, where I am, there ye may be also. Amen? So God promised us a Son, and God's promised us land too. Amen? My, what a day that'll be. Amen? What did the apostle say? I hath not seen, nor ear hath heard, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen? I don't know what it'll be, but I do know this. It'll be wonderful over there, won't it? Amen. God has a promised land for His people. And let me add another one. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. The only way to know God is to know His Son. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you do not know God. He is the only way to God, and there is no other way. Amen? Let's clear up a modern misconception also. Again, you've heard it said often, people say, well, we're all children of God. That's not true. Only those who have received Jesus are the children of God. Only those like Father Abraham, we are all children of Abraham by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're only in the promised family by receiving the promised Lord. And there is no other way, amen, except through Him. So verse number 7, God promises a son. And verse number 7, God says, I'm going to give this son a land to live in. But also notice this in verse number 7. It's always this way. God said in verse 7, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. It's always this way. What way? God always brings us out of one land or one country to bring us into His. It's always this way. God always brings us out of one country to put us in another land. He brings us from one world to put us into His world. God always brings His people out. We see it, God says, I brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give you this land. I brought you out of the earth of Chaldees, Abraham. I did not leave you where you were at. And God never leaves us where we're at. God did it to Abraham. God did it to the children of Israel. He even says it in this prophecy that I'm going to bring them out of that land. I'm going to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. I'm going to take them from this land and I'm going to give them another land. It is always this way. It is always with this way without exception. That God calls us from one land to another land. From one world to another world. Didn't we even sing it this morning, I bid this world goodbye, didn't we? When I came to Jesus, He paid the ransom price, and I bid this world goodbye. I came to Christ, and then I said, world, see you later. I'm following God. God says, okay, Abraham, you leave the earth Chaldees behind. You cannot be with me there. You have to go where I tell you to go. I bid this world goodbye. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, God says, wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, God says. Saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, God says. If you come out from among them, God says, I'll receive you. Abraham, you can't follow me in the earth, Chaldees. God told, spoke through Moses, and he told Pharaoh, we can't sacrifice here in Egypt. We can't worship here in Egypt. We can't serve God here in Egypt. We have to leave Egypt. We have to leave the world. We have to say goodbye. We have to bid it goodbye. There has to be, we can't stay where we're at. We have to leave. And Jesus came preaching the gospel. And he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. 
John the Baptist said the same thing. He said, prepare your hearts because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye. Change your mind. You've been wrong. You're heading the wrong direction. The Lord is providing salvation. Turn from yourself. Turn from your way. Turn from your belief. Turn from your sins. Turn from your habits. Turn from your idolatry. Turn from your way of life. Turn from your thoughts. Turn from who you are. Turn around completely. Turn around and believe the gospel. It is always this way. Always. Come ye out from among them, saith the Lord, and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Turn around and come to me. You say, what is this? How does this... How does you studying the Bible? How does the book of Genesis chapter 15, how does it apply to my life? We see principles from the very beginning. We see the doctrine of repentance and faith from the very beginning. The New Testament, this gospel that we love and we preach and we adore as a church family, it has its roots in the beginning. He is the author of our salvation. In this scripture we find from the very beginning, God is saying, if you want me, if you want me to receive you, come ye out from among them and I will receive you. I want to save you from your sins. I don't want you to live in your sins. I don't want you to dwell in the, in the herb Chaldees. I want to give you a promised land. One great preacher preached a great sermon once, and the title was simply this, Turn or Burn. Turn or Burn. Turn, turn from yourself and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen? You'll always see this. But Abraham in verse number 9, verse number 8, he asks a good question. And Abraham's asked, How... Verse number 8, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And God said, Abraham says, how do I know, God, I'm going to get this land? And then God has Abraham do a strange, strange sacrifice. And so we read, he takes a heifer of three years old in verse 9, he takes a a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and I, and I learned why three years old, because God says, I don't want a little baby heifer. I don't want an old ram. I want them in their strength. Abram, I want the best that you have. I don't want a weak animal. I don't want you to call a weak animal from the herd that you, that's teetering on the edge of life. I don't want you to take the milk cow that's providing the least milk. I want it strong. And we have a wonderful lesson there that you give your best to God. You give your strength to God. He's worth more than your weakness, isn't He? You give Him your strength. Young people, you give God your youth. You give Him your youth. You turn to Him wholeheartedly today. You give God your best. And so three years old, God says. The Bible's so rich, isn't it? There's lessons and applications everywhere. The Bible is amazing, isn't it, in its application. 
One preacher said the Bible is like cotton. The more you pick at it, the wider it gets. The Bible is an amazing, is an amazing book. And we see God says, give me your best. And so Abraham does. He also takes a turtle dove and a young pigeon. You might think, well, that's strange, isn't it? That is strange, isn't it? Especially from our perspective, January 2024. God's asking Abraham to do a strange thing, isn't he? Now, let me say that obey God even if it seems strange to you. Follow God even if it seems out of the ordinary. Because newsflash, it is. Follow God when it seems unusual. Obey God when it seems strange. It's a strange thing for a young man to say, I'm not going to go to that party. Hey, all those girls will be there. It's going to be fun. It's a strange thing for a young man to say, No, I think I'll follow Jesus instead. It's a strange thing for a young woman to keep herself pure, isn't it? It's a strange thing from this world's perspective, from this world's opinion, for her to regain, to maintain her purity, to wait until she's married, to save herself or her husband, vice versa, the husband for his wife. Wouldn't you agree? That is a strange fire to this world, isn't it? Obey, follow Jesus even when it seems strange. In verse number 11, Abraham is protecting the sacrifice. In verse number 11, the Bible says, when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So protect the elements of faith. Protect the things. Be defensive. Contend for the faith. Protect your faith. So here comes the fowl of the air. We could, wow, the application is endless, isn't it? The world tries to pick at what God says is sacred. The world tries to devour holy things and righteous things and things that God says are important. And the world is saying, is trying to eat them up. The world doesn't see them as something valuable or precious. And Abraham is driving them away. Let us do the same thing. Amen? Drive the foul away. That this book is important that this church is important, that our attendance to it is important. It is our duty. It is sacred to us, isn't it? The, the things that we love about the gospel, the world sees them as insignificant, but oh, to us who are saved, Jesus is precious, isn't he? The songs that we sing are precious, are valuable, are important are means of God's grace that God uses to lift our hearts up, to exalt our minds to worship. Let us drive the foul of the world away and protect what God says is sacred and valuable. Amen? Let us drive the foul away. And the Bible says that Abraham, though, falls asleep in verse number 12. It was a deep sleep that fell upon him. It was a horror of great darkness, the Bible says, that fell upon him. It was the symbolism of bondage. Abraham, in a, in a dream, was getting a taste of what his son is going to go through. And my mind thinks right now of what God the Father 
must have endured when his son was in bondage on the cross. And Abraham was in a, in a in horror of great darkness, Abraham sees his seed, his grandkids, his great-grandkids. I don't know about you, but I want my family to flourish, don't you? I want my children to do well in this life. If I saw, if I could see a vision of bondage over my children, I would be like Abraham, wouldn't you? It would be a horror of great darkness would fall upon me. If you somehow told me 20 years from now that my children are going to be kidnapped and they're going to be slaves in a strange land, because that isn't an application, that's exactly what Abraham has seen. I would be in horror too, wouldn't you? But notice also that God says to Abraham, but I'm going to take care of your children. And I'm glad to know, aren't you, Mom and Dad, that God is going to take care of our children. Amen? I'm going to get them back. I'm going to bring them back to this land. You know, we got to tell our kids about Jesus, don't we? Because that is the only way they're going to know the promised land, isn't it? So Abraham, he's in great horror. He sees his children in bondage. He sees they're going to come hither again. Verse 17, Abraham sees a strange thing. He sees a smoking furnace. Possibly this is his children under the bondage of oppression. They are unable to see clearly in the smoke of a furnace. But then in this furnace there's a burning lamp. Verse 17, there's still a flame, there's still a light, and hope burns even when you're in a strange land. I think about backslidden Christians who are in bondage to the world and they are in the smoke of the furnace, but still yet there is a small flame, a light of hope that burns. And I'm glad that God says, I know how to reclaim a backslider. Amen? I've read, and is it Isaiah? I quoted off, and me and Bill quoted to each other a lot that God will not quench a smoking flax. If there's a little bit of smoke, the Lord, it's a prophecy of Jesus, that He won't step on it and put it out. And if we look historically at the children of Israel while they were in bondage, let's admit at year 300 of bondage, it don't seem too good for them, does it? That gives us all hope. We know some backsliders, people who are afflicted, people who are hurting, people that are in bondage for whatever reason, for whatever cause. I'm glad there's still smoke, there's fire, there's still a little light that burns. And many of us have been reclaimed and brought out of bondage. Amen. God says, if you're my child, I will give you the promised land. What is the application here? God saying to Abram and saying to us, 
I'm going to make a blood sacrifice. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. And there's going to be times of hardship. There's always a cross before the crown. But I'm going to get your people, my people, to the promised land. And we also have a blood covenant. Do you know that? Jesus said in Matthew number 26, isn't it, that this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for the remission of sins. And He said, if we would believe upon Him, that we will enter into His promised land. And there's many dangers, toils, and snares that come along the way, isn't there? There's many hardships that come in the Christian life. There's many hard days and tough nights and long months that happen to God's people, isn't there? We're wandering in the wilderness as we sung, but I'm waiting on deliverance. It's the same thing for you today. If you're a child of God, you're also a child of Abraham by faith. You also will enjoy the promises of Abraham. You also enjoy the covenants of Abraham. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God is going to establish His covenant with you. God's going to get you to His land. So what, how do I know? How will I know that God will get me there? Jesus on the cross shed His blood to establish a new testament. Do you know what the word testament means? It means covenant. It is a new covenant. It's not based upon the blood of a heifer or a ram or a, or a she-goat or a turtle dove or a young pigeon. No, it's a better covenant established on better promises, built upon a better sacrifice. And this covenant that God has made with you, His people, is built upon the everlasting, precious, shed blood of Jesus Christ. God performed a sacrificial ceremony for you. He was lifted up on Mount Calvary. He shed His blood on an old rugged cross. And anyone who looks upon Him in salvation will be saved. Amen? And this blood, yea, not through the blood of boils and goats, which can never take away sin. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But this blood, but this man, Hebrews chapter 10, after he made one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of the Father on high. And his seating there, what does it mean? Why is he sitting there? Because it is finished, he said. The covenant has been established. It can never be taken away. You are the heirs of the promise. You are the children of God. And nothing, nothing, nothing in this life, nothing that you face, come peril, come sword, come heartache, come pain, come sorrow, come affliction, come pestilence, come grief, come sorrow. Nothing. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if God be for us, if God be for us, is He for us? How do I know He's for me? How can I tell that God is for me? Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. But God commendeth His love toward you in that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for us. And if God be for us, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And shall He not also freely give us all things? Praise His name forever. Amen? Worship your everlasting King. There is none like Him. There is no one like Him. 
God says He searched everywhere. He's found none that is like me. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise ye the Lord. And let everyone that has breath say, Praise ye the Lord. Amen? Let the string instruments praise the Lord. Let our amplifiers praise the Lord. Let the rocks cry out and say, Hosanna! Praise ye the Lord. There is none like Him. And if you don't know Him, there is no other way. Because there are no other options. There is no other way. And it's not that Jesus, I'm about through, it's not that Jesus decreed that there would be no other way. It is righteously impossible for there to be another way. Amen. There is no other way. There has to be a substitute. Not only is he the ratification of the covenant promise, how do I know that God will keep his word because he so freely gave us his son? If God reneged or came back against His Word, which is impossible, He is immutable. You'll find that in your Bible reading. It is impossible for God to lie. He is unchanging. That's what immutable means. He's the same, you know this, yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the same. But even if we didn't have those passages of Scripture, we can even look at the Son we can see the suffering Savior and why in this world would God put His Son and offer Him through all of that just to not keep His word. He establishes His covenant. It might seem strange because God has always chosen the base things to confound the wise. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. It might seem unusual. To the Jews, it's a it's a, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, people like you and me, it's foolishness. But God has only ordained that salvation would come only through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Seems strange. God would come, die, suffer. The Lord Jesus would shed his blood for you. Seems unusual. Of course it does. The worldly mind cannot comprehend the things of God. Neither can they know it. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Sin has so corrupted your thinking. Sin has so polluted your mind. The God of this world has so blinded your eyes that you cannot see. But if you will hear the gospel today, you can see. For whosoever is born again will see the kingdom of God. If you'll just believe on the Lord Jesus, you'll see. No wonder he said, I am the light of the world. No wonder, remember, Logos, he came to be the light of men. He came so that we might see. Amen. And there is no other way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Here's the application and I'm through. We'll just use some Bible. That the good work that God began in you, Christian, He will complete it. 
He will complete it. Now unto him that is able. Amen? So today, you leave here in hope. No matter if you're in bondage in Egypt, it doesn't matter. No matter if you're hurting, if you're a Christian, no matter if you're confused. Listen to me. Don't, we're, not, we're not going on emotions. We're going on this covenant that the Lord established with the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're going on. The receipt of the covenant, how do I know? Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, here's the application. No matter what you're going through as a Christian. First of all, if you're not a Christian, you can't claim the promise. If you're not a Christian, repent and believe the gospel. That Jesus loves you, that you're a sinner, that you deserve death, you're currently under condemnation. Listen carefully, please. You're currently under condemnation if you don't know God through Jesus Christ. But Jesus suffered on an old rugged cross for your sins. He paid the payment. He sacrificed himself so you don't have to die. It's either you or it's him. Do you hear me? It's either you or it's him. Coming to Jesus Christ is by faith saying, Lord, it's you. It's you. God loves you so much He made that way possible. God loves you so much He sent His Son and He made that way possible. That God can forgive you of your sins through the shed, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're receiving, then you can be, you'll have power to become the sons of God. How can I do that? Not of your will, not of your flesh. No, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Jesus today can be yours. The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. The word of faith that we preach. That if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For the word of God says nobody will say Lord, Lord except by the Holy Spirit. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And no one will call on him in whom they have not believed. And no one will believe on him in whom they have not heard. And no one can hear without a preacher. And don't you see the whole gospel plan before you? The preachers preached, you've heard the word. Call on him because you believe. If you believe, you shall have everlasting life. Amen? Everlasting life. That is offered to you today freely, full and free. And if I can help you in any way, when we start singing a song, just come forward. I'd love to chat with you and talk with you. But Christian people, as we come, please keep listening. Christian people, what's the application of this strange thing? That God has promised you a land. And no matter what happens between the promise and the fulfillment of it, no matter what happens in between, no matter if it's dark, no matter if it's hard, no matter if life seems unbearable, whatever happens in between, nothing will stop what God has already promised through His covenant. He will give you to the land that He promised you, no matter what. You know what? As a Christian, sometimes it feels like Hell on earth. Don't. But I'm glad as believers that's all I'll know of it. <laughs> that's all I'll know. Hey, there's a cross before a crown. Excuse me. There's a, yeah, 
bear your cross. They'll be cramped, amen. It'll be worth it over there. It's worth it now. I'd rather suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, wouldn't you? By faith, we esteem the riches of Christ far better than the riches we can have in Egypt. I'd rather be poor, broke, hurting, ridden with cancer and know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'll sing when I'm dying and passing away. I'm a winner either way. If I go ever stay, it don't matter. I'm a winner either way. I'm going to straight betwixt two, have a desire to leave this world and to be with Christ, which is far better. But if God should will, I should remain here. So be it. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. Either way, nothing, nothing can separate the believer from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Let's stand to our feet.